flying their airplanes. And the Hamites flying their airplanes. Accompanied by their wives and consorts. Accompanied by their wives and consorts. And eternally sing of the character and activities of the Lord. And eternally sing of the character and activities of the Lord. Which are always devoid of all inauspicious qualities. Which are always devoid of all inauspicious qualities. While singing the glories of the Lord. While singing the glories of the Lord. They deride even the presence of the blossoming Malavi flowers. They deride even the presence of the blossoming Malavi flowers. Which are fragrant and laden with honey. Which are fragrant and laden with honey. Srila Prabhupada's ecstatic purport. It appears from this verse that the Vaikuntha planets are full of all opulences. There are airplanes in which the inhabitants travel in the spiritual sky with their sweethearts. There is a breeze carrying the fragrance of blossoming flowers. And this breeze is so nice that it also carries the honey of the flowers. The inhabitants of Vaikuntha, however, are so interested in glorifying the Lord that they do not like the disturbance of such a nice breeze while they are chanting the Lord's glories. In other words, they are pure devotees. They consider glorification of the Lord more important than their own sense gratification. In the Vaikuntha planets, there is no question of sense gratification. To smell the fragrance of a blossoming flower is certainly very nice, but it is simply for sense gratification. The inhabitants of Vaikuntha give first preference, preference to the service of the Lord, not their own sense gratification. Serving the Lord in transcendental love yields such transcendental pleasure that in comparison, sense gratification is counted as insignificant. Vaimani ka salamash chagatani shashwad Gayanti Jotra Shamala Supanani Bhutu Antar Jale Nubikasana Madhumadu Vina Andhina Kandita Diyo Pyanyalam Shipamutaha. In the Vaikuntha planets the inhabitants fly in their airplanes, accompanied by their wives and consorts, and eternally seeing of the character and activities of the Lord which are always devoid of all inauspicious qualities. While singing of the glories of the Lord, they deride even the presence of the blossoming Mahalavi flowers, which are fragrant and laden with honey. And they don't care. What is this beautiful, fragrant flower? It is disturbing my service to Krishna. It is so nice, but I don't want to have that get in my way. The chanting the glories of Krishna. I don't want anything to interfere with my uh, my focus on Krishna. Uh, the minds of the inhabitants of Vaikuntha and even pure devotees who appear in the material world, their minds are focused on Krishna and always engaged in Krishna. And they don't want anything to disturb that. This description of Maharaja Varish, which we have mm. referred to many times here. His mind is always fixed at the lotus feet of Krishna. Pada Aravinda. Aravinda means lotus, Pada means feet. Pada Aravinda. Vachamsi Vaikuntha. 
His mouth is always singing the transcendental qualities of the spiritual world and the Lord and his act uh, pastimes and his activities. So he is not interested in any sense gratification because he is always fixed his mind at the lotus feet of Krishna. This is something worthy to aspire for. It is said that those who are truly Krishna conscious, they have no desire. But that means they have no material desire. What they do desire, they have desire, but that desire is only for the service of Krishna. What they do not have is a desire for sense gratification. There is one pastime recorded of Daruka, who is the chariot driver of Krishna in Dwaraka. So he's fanning Krishna, the Chandra, and he starts to feel some ecstasy. He's feeling so much ecstasy serving Krishna. And because he's feeling that ecstasy, his arm starts to tremble. And he's cursing that ecstasy. What is this rascal ecstasy? Go away, ecstasy. Do not disturb my service to Krishna. I am fanning Krishna. That is my service. So I don't want to feel any ecstasy because that ecstasy gets in the way. I can't keep my arm steady because it's trembling in ecstasy. So ecstasy be gone so I can do my service to Krishna. You see? That is the higher standard of Krishna consciousness. Not, oh, ecstasy. Come on. Give me the ecstasy. I want the ecstasy. I want the bliss. That bliss will come, the ecstasy will come. But if it interferes with our service to Krishna, then we say, oh, fie on the ecstasy. Be thou gone from my existence. Because I am busy. I'm trying to serve Krishna. Why are you interrupting my service to Krishna? Even the gopis curse the creator because he has made these eyelids that blink. And when they blink, in that fraction of a second, when they blink, you don't even notice it. Blink, you just blink. It's just an auto reflex thing. But in that fraction of second of a second, when the eyes blink, then they can't see Krishna because the eyelids are in the way. So they curse the creator. Oh, creator, you have made such a faulty creation because you have these eyelids. You give us these eyelids that blink. And in that microsecond when we're blinking, then our vision from Krishna is cut off. So you are such a rascal creator. Why do you make such a defective creation? We want eyes that never blink. <laughs> so we can always see Krishna. That is an actual statement of the gopis. I am not making this up. So in this way, even though Krishna consciousness is so nice, we experience the bliss of Krishna consciousness but we don't want anything to interfere with the service to Guru and Krishna. And certainly not sense gratification. Well, that's just dumb for a realized devotee. Sense gratification? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Uh, that is so low class to want to enjoy sense gratification from the point of view of a Vaishnava. That is horrible. Now there's a verse in the Gita, 259. 
that states, Vishaya Vinivarta, Nirharashadehina. Rasavarjam, the soul kissa, Param Drishtva, Nirvartate. So, um, So, vishaya means objects of sense gratification. Vishaya vidivartante, one practices to not engage in the objects of sense gratification. Now, for ordinary conditioned souls, when they hear this, they think, that's insane. Because for an ordinary person, their life consists of meditating on and trying to get the objects of sense gratification. That's it. That's the sum and substance of conditional life. So to tell materialists that, yes, you have to restrain yourself from those objects and from meditating on them too, by the way. Niharasya dehina. For those that are embodied, there is niraharasya. There is some negative regulation, some negative restriction. So to become uh, practiced on the platform of Krishna consciousness, one has to practice uh, giving up, meditating on, and pursuing the objects of sense gratification. Now you tell that to an ordinary person, say a, um, say a college student, for example. Then they think, huh? What the heck are they talking about? That's insane. That doesn't make any sense at all. Because the teenagers normally are told by their parents to restrict themselves from engaging in sense gratification. No, you can't drink till you grow up. You can't smoke till you grow up. As soon as they get to college, they're out of the house and they're with all the other kids there and they're all just gone wild. They've just gone completely wild because now we are free. We have no restrictions. And we can indulge our senses completely to the max. And happiness is within our reach now. We were so miserable living at home with our parents and all their fuddy-duddy, backward, old folk ways. But now we are free. But that so-called freedom is just a degradation under a different name. That is not freedom at all. Actually, that is bondage. Loko yam kamabandana. One becomes bound to the sinful reactions that one gets from all those activities that they are so vociferously and eagerly pursuing. Nunam pramata kuruti karma. It's like they're mad. I have personal experience of this because I spent many, many years going door to door, selling to the students. So you see them in their environment. And uh, for a devotee, it is like shocking. But hey, I went to college, I remember that. <laughs> you know, I remember it quite well. The futile hopeless attempt to become happy by just unrestrictedly indulging the senses and sense gratification. So therefore, Prabhupada refers to modern education as the slaughterhouse. 
even before they get to college, they're prepared to become enjoyers of the material world by their, who are supposed to be their protectors, their parents, their family members, who are supposed to protect them and lead them down the right path, but they actually lead them down the wrong path. Immaterial consciousness, and that is our material civilization, so-called civilization. But for one uh, who's understood the tenets and practices of spiritual life, it is uncivilized. In traditional cultures, you didn't have it like this. But because of the advancement of Kali Yuga, the traditional cultures are like finished. The younger generation has been swept up by all the uh, varieties of consumable media to accept the process of sense gratification unrestrictedly. There is no reason for restriction. There's no reason. There's nothing. It's just your senses and enjoy. That's all there is. That is called Asuram Bhava Nashritaha. That's actually the demoniac concept of life. There's no God. There's no reason to control yourself or to restrict yourself. Just go for it. And then you will be happy. No, you will never be happy like that. That is not the path to happiness. They explain it by Gita. You'll never be happy. As a matter of fact, mogasha, moga karmana, moga jnana vacheta saha. Those who take shelter of the atheistic or demoniac way of life, they are defeated in every endeavor. Mogasha, moga karmana, all their work, moga jnana vacheta all their so-called culture of knowledge, scientific advancement, uh, all hopes of becoming happy. All that is dashed upon the rocks of uh, ignominious distinction because of uh, sense gratification and taking God, putting him aside and mistakenly identifying as the body to be the self and the body consists of the the mind and the senses. So then the mind and the senses have to be gratified. And that probably says that they consider that to be the prime necessity of life. So whereas in Krishna consciousness, it's understood that the prime necessity of life is to give up that foolishness, that engagement in sense gratification, and put one's mind at the lotus feet of Krishna. even to this amazing platform of Daruka. Oh, stop ecstasy. Stop shaking my arm. I want to offer my service to Krishna. Don't interrupt me. What an inconvenience this ecstasy is. I don't want this ecstasy. I just want my service to Krishna. So that's a very high platform. Rasavarjan Rasopyasa. By giving up the taste of sense gratification, rasavarjan, rasopyasya, param drishtva nirvartate, one 
by, by giving up that lower taste and engaging in spiritual life, one gets a much better taste. A far, param, a superior taste. Param drishtva, nivartate. So, an intelligent person would calculate, but what is the better return on my uh, engagement? Trying to enjoy the senses and becoming defeated and taking another birth or tasting a much better taste of spiritual life and going back home back to God. That's a calculation, just like a businessman calculates. He calculates, I spend this much, I invest it like this, I get so much return. And he's very intelligent and very diligent in his calculation as to what is the best thing to do. And there are people who will give up all the pleasures of life in order to make that money from the work 16 to 18 hours a day, working hard like an ass in order to get the goal. You see that, especially immigrants, people from other countries who come here with nothing. They work like madmen to get ahead, to get a better way of life for their children or for themselves. Uh, and they'll stop at nothing. They'll undergo extreme austerities. They live, you know, two, three, four families in one little apartment in order to save the money, save the money, save the money so they can invest and get out of that situation. And we also see how in some parts of the world where Krishna consciousness has spread uh, like wildfire, it's spread in wildfire, like wildfire in societies where people don't have much sense gratification. They don't have a lot of money, like, the, like Russia. Their standard of life is not very good there, unless you're rich. Uh, and there's not a lot of sense gratification available for the common people. So they have already some built-in yogic principles in their society. Austerity, uh, not indulging the senses. So they're not so polluted and spoiled like we are here. So they can easily take the Krishna consciousness because they're already austere and detached and renounced. Not by choice, but just by the circumstances. So therefore, when Krishna conscious come along, they're like, yes, a higher taste. I want to give up this cold, hard, uh, miserable life and get something that's way better. I'm into it. So they don't have enough room in the temple for all the devotees. They got so many devotees. So what do they do? They all go to India. <laughs> You go to Mayapur Vrindavan, I hear, and there's lots of Russian devotees there. There's lots of Russian devotees in Russia, too. They have so many devotees. Because they don't have anything else. They realize that this material life we have is just crap. But this Christian consciousness is so nice, let me take it. And they're very blissful and very serious devotees. And willing to do whatever it takes to advance in their spiritual life. So that's a nice thing. That's a good thing. It's just perfect. It's just perfect. So there are so many devotees in the Eastern European countries, former Soviet countries, where they don't have much opulence and much opportunity 
although they would like to. Hearing some kirtan coming from the kitchen. <clears throat> well, that's good, it's kirtan. So we can uh, we can learn from this also because we live here in the land of milk and honey, more or less, the land of opportunity, the land of sense gratification. So if we're able to see past all the allurements of Maya uh, by hearing the philosophy and by chanting the holy name and getting purified, then we are extremely fortunate because we are not interested in the sense gratification that's there, even though it's in abundance and it surrounds us. And we're not interested to go to the, you know, the nightclub or whatever it is that people do. You know, when we do Harnam down 4th Avenue, we're only, we're only catching the bare awakening. After we leave and come back to the temple, then they uh, you know, start to come out of the woodwork to enjoy more and more and more, the later it gets. So what is Yanisha Sarvabhutanam, what is night for the ordinary persons is daytime for the uh, those who are awake spiritually. And what is the uh, daytime for those who are awake spiritually is night for the foolish. So we're rising very early in chanting Hare Krishna. That's about the time they're just about crashing out and their senses are all blown out and they're, you know, they're just finished. You go to some place like New York City and it's such a sinful place, it's just crawling with sense gratification at night, all night. It's like a bunch of cockroaches crawling around in the garbage. All these living entities who have the human form of life and they're crawling around the garbage, the flotsam and jetsam of all the sense gratification that the big city has to offer. And they're completely asleep to self-realization. When the sadhus are rising and beginning to chant, that's just when they, the enjoyers are crashing. So it's a real contradistinction between what is spiritual life and what is material life. So we never want to become falsely lured by it. Uh, such things at all, or glorify such things. As a matter of fact, we should shiver and shudder when we even think about this type of life going on around us. It is Kali Yuga's raging on, full force. And like in a place in New York, there's places where you can go and every kind of perversion and reversion and degeneration is practically available. And there's some place with the name of that diversion that you can go and stay up all night and do all those weird things that devotees just shudder in horror thinking about well, these poor conditioned souls. They are so lost and they're so caught up. They're so captured by the modes of material nature. Sometimes we forget because we really don't see all that. We don't see it. We don't hear about it so much because we're not tuned in. It's just like all there's, there's all these radio waves and TV waves and stuff being broadcast in the air, but you don't even know if it's there if you don't tune in. So there's all this sense gratification and madness flying around, 
But we don't see it because we're not tuned into that. We're tuned into, you know, we get our computer, we go on to, to uh, you know, Prabhupadvani.com or the database and get Prabhupada's books. <laughs> There's a lot of other stuff on there on the internet. <laughs> but we don't tune into it. So for us, it doesn't exist. Because we're focused only on what is favorable for Krishna consciousness. And all the other stuff, we just ignore it to the point that we're practically unaware of it. But when we sometimes see some manifestation of that, then we become shocked, like, wow, is that what they're doing now? Is that the latest thing? You know, what's the newest variety, the latest perversion and twist on enjoying the material world? Is that what they're up to now? Oh my goodness, who would have ever thought such a thing? And Kali Yuga is progressive, or actually what it is is regressive, in the sense that it just becomes more and more and more degraded. And that's the standard. And people accept the standard and they go for it. And they have no idea. Unless they become purified through the practice of Krishna consciousness. So um, this is a very nice verse because this verse in purport um, explains the difference between Krishna consciousness and sense gratification. They don't even want to, the, the residents of Vaikuntha, they don't even want to smell. I mean, it's so beautiful and opulent there. And there's these nice breezes laden with the honey from these uh, Madhavi flowers. Madhavi Nam. Wonderful. Flowers that are so fragrant and give off a type of honey that pervades the atmosphere and it's so sweet, it smells so good. Like better than jasmine. You know, if you have a big, uh, jasmine grows, it creeps, you know, you have a big wall of jasmine, like a fence filled with jasmine flowers and you walk past it, like, wow, it's so sweet, so nice. So they have these modity flowers, it's a billion times better than the jasmine that we have. And they're like, that, those Madhavi flowers, those damn Madhavi flowers, they're interfering with my, I don't want to smell them, it's too nice. Because I just want to glorify Krishna. So they're busy hearing and chanting about Krishna. What is that nice smell? Ordinarily, you smell the flower, Prabhupada says, in the purpose of the To smell the fragrance of a blossoming flower is certainly very nice, but it is simply for sense grass. Of course, when you take that same flower and offer it to the lotus feet of Krishna, then it becomes prashada. Then you smell it, you're smelling Krishna prashada. Then it's all right. Then it's very nice. That is a purified way. So one doesn't go to every flower bush and stick his head in the bush to smell the flower. No, he picked the flower, offered it to Krishna. Then you can smell it. Oh, that is the fragrance of a flower that's been offered to Krishna. It's prashada. So it's very nice. In the final sentence, Prabhupada says, Serving the Lord in transcendental love yields such transcendental pleasure that in comparison, sense gratification is counted as insignificant. Oh, here, please come. We have the best sense gratification. Please take it. It's like, <laughs> sense gratification, that's nothing. You should taste the pleasure of serving Krishna. That is like powerful. And that will take you away, take you back home. 
that state of consciousness where one does not want to be disturbed by sense gratification because he simply wants to be serving Krishna and everything else is insignificant and foolish too. So uh, we don't want to be fools. A fool, someone who's just enjoying sense gratification, he's just a fool. He's a dummy. I don't, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to follow in the footsteps of the dummies. I want to follow in the footsteps, Mahajano Yenigatapasa, Sapanta, of the great devotees. Follow in their footsteps and then experience the, the real higher taste of what is pleasure and what is happiness, which is the taste that's available only in Krishna consciousness and not elsewhere. So that is the real taste. That's, that's, the, that's the thing that the soul is hankering for. We're just hankering for that spiritual taste. Everyone's hankering for it. Like George Harrison said in his introduction to Krishna book, everyone's looking for Krishna. Everyone's hankering for Krishna. They want that taste of Krishna's lotus feet, but don't know where to look, don't know how to get it, don't know the, the secret. The secret knowledge, that higher knowledge, which is very confidential. It's a great secret. And hardly anyone understands that secret. But if you can find that secret from the pure devotees, uh, then you become very happy. And you don't want anything less. You'll not settle for something less. No, I'm sorry, I can't take that sense of gratification. There's something much better, and that's the only thing I want, which is Krishna's lotus feet. By hearing and chanting. Let me hear and chant about Krishna, and not other topics. Because topics which are not in relation to Krishna, what are those? Tadvayasam Tirti. It's a place of pilgrimage. The uh, topics which are not concerned with Krishna, for crows. Tadvayasam. Vayasam means black crows. And the crows are like kind of nasty because they like garbage and rotten stuff. They really dig that. Uh, we had these crows in Potomac in our temple. There's a big dumpster there. They throw the food out sometimes in the dumpster. It's kind of a stinky big dumpster. Ooh, the crows love that dumpster. They hang around and you try to scare them off. They're not even scared. They don't care about you because that dumpster has what they want, the kind of nectar they're looking for. So it's a it's a vayasam tirtha. It's a place of pilgrimage for crows. They all gather around the dumpster to see what rotten thing they can find in there. But devotees are not interested in that. Devotees are like the swan. What is the swan like? Do you see the swans hanging around the dumpster? No. The swans like to glide on clear lakes with lotus flowers and beautiful surroundings. So the swan is a high-class individual and the crow is a low-class individual. So what you what do you want to be? You want to be a swan? You want to be a crow? And you know, the choice is yours. You have the choice. Do I want to become a, 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 a hunksa, a swan-like devotee, or do I want to remain a dark, filthy crow pecking here and there for some nasty sense gratification. 
It's just like that. So we want to become intelligent, make the proper choice, and uh, aspire for the Vaishnava ideal of living free from sense gratification and only concerned with things to do with Krishna. Although I will admit that I personally don't like the garbage and the recycle and the compost, <clears throat> only because it's in relation to Krishna, it needs to be properly dealt with. Cans have to be full, the cans have to be empty, the cans have to be taken out. You have to take the compost out in the restaurant. I said, so busy last night. I, the compost it was overflowing. So immediately get it all, get it out of there. You know, 30 minutes later, it's full again because it was so packed. But that's transcendental pleasure to take care of Krishna's garbage because it's in relation to Krishna. Anything in relation to Krishna uh, is an aspect of Krishna consciousness, Krishna's service, Krishna's floor, cleaning Krishna's floor, carrying out Krishna's garbage, etc. You know, Jayananda, who was famous as a great saintly devotee, he was the garbage man. He was always dealing with the garbage. He would do the garbage run because they didn't have money to pay for a commercial dumpster service. So he would do a garbage run and take it out to the landfill. And uh, so one devotee, he came the first time he came and said, oh, you can go help Jayananda. So Jayananda's getting ready you know, to do the garbage run, getting all the trash together, putting it in the van. And this devotee helped him. And the whole time, Jayananda is talking about Prabhupada, talking about Krishna. And this person thought, wow, this is the garbage man. And he's completely blissful and transcendental, completely on the spiritual platform. And he's just the garbage man. This Krishna consciousness is something else. <laughs> of course, there's no difference in any type of service, whether one is Pujari or the garbage man. But we're not like the crows who relish the garbage. But carrying the garbage for Krishna, that is relishing. Is it not an answer? Sometimes. <laughs> <coughs> Whatever we can do to serve Krishna, that is wonderful. And maybe it's not easy, it's going to be struggle, but that's all right. Because that struggle takes us away from our attraction to material energy and helps purify us. That struggle is worth it. Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, any difficulty I encounter in your service, I will consider to be the greatest happiness because it is uh, on the path of serving you. Therefore, it is not difficulty at all. It's the greatest happiness. Okay, question, comments? No, go ahead. I was just going to say that, so it's not so much about really focusing on the problem as it is trying to give them the solution. In other words, Prabhupada came into the Bowery, into the darkest depths of the world, and he wanted to give them the higher taste. Because he knew that if they tasted, then automatically all the lower tastes would just fall off. So it's, it's more so about wanting to, to give these, these conditioned souls the, the higher taste of Krishna consciousness. Yeah, we, and we want to get it ourselves. Can't give it unless you got it. Can't give what you don't have. So we want to be so absorbed and 
give it to others. And uh, fortunately, through expert management, on Prabhupada's mercy, we have a, this wonderful restaurant and people are hankering to come here and pushing and shoving and elbowing just to get the prasadam. They want the prasadam. They know, everyone knows how good it is. That's why they come. They all know this is the best and they want to get it. And they're willing to undergo the austerity of coming here and there's nowhere to sit. They can go sit outside. It's freezing outside. They'll sit outside. I don't care as long as I get to eat that Govinda's food. Uh, it's, a, it's a miracle. It's amazing. They want that taste of Krishna. Even though they don't understand it philosophically. It's all right. But still, they like it. You have to come in? Are they actually pushing and shoving? Yeah, you saw on the line last night? They've got really passionate. They're pushing and shoving. They're slopping the prasadam all over the buffet. You know, they're passionate. They want it. It's crowded. Get out of my way. Hey, don't leave, leave me something for me. Get out of the way. Let me get my... They're into it. I mean, they're polite, but still. You know. Don't mess with my prasad. I noticed it was so crowded, but they were still very happy. Yeah, they're in bliss. They don't mind. Whatever austerity. They're like... They're like Bhagavan Otakura, whatever austerities they have to undergo to get that prasadam. That's their happiness. <laughs> They've understood the mood of Bhagavan Otakura. Sorry. Also, it's not so much about, like, like you were talking about, suppressing the senses, right? Because someone from the outside can kind of hear what we're saying, and they might immediately, immediately come to the conclusion that we're some kind of voidist, you know? We no, we're not voidist, but, but there is a science... And the science means to restrict from gross sense gratification. And, you know, that takes some practice and to become accomplished. Yeah. You know, it's not easy. It requires intelligence, determination, uh, abstinence. One has to have abstinence. It's required. But with intelligence it can be done. By practice and by detachment, Krishna says. Reminds me of a statement in um, Jayadvaita Swami's book, Banyan Karma, somewhere in that book. It's, it's, it gives the example that accepting material sense gratification is like taking a coin. Taking, one, taking a coin. I've also heard taking a stick, where on one hand there's, there's the nice thing that you want, but um, you have to, to take the stick, you have to take both ends. To take the coin, you have to take both sides. A person with experience understands that, you know, okay, this is good on one side, but the bad side will be there also. So that's part of the understanding things. You know. Yeah, we don't we don't go for the logic of half a hen. The logic of half a hen, the hen lays the eggs, I want the eggs, so let me cut off the chicken's head so I don't have to feed them. And I'll just take the other end and get the eggs. But that doesn't work. You have to feed the chicken. <laughs> you want to get the eggs. But we don't go for that philosophy logic. I have a comment about this sense gratification and the journey of a devotee. Because we all started a, some platform. Um, and maybe you can help me and maybe you can also say if I'm thinking correctly. 
my realization is that sense gratification is hard to develop totally and that one should be happy with whatever platform of Krishna consciousness one is on. One should remain on that, at least that platform and then, okay, I may be fallen, but if I can do some service or some contribution to Prabhupada and then try to continuously make progress slowly without berating oneself, without feeling guilty, without feeling... Yeah. It, it's a gradual process to become Krishna conscious. But that doesn't mean that one should take to the process gradually. One should take to the process and then gradually make advancement. Um, and one should do the best one can and not use one's, oh, I'm so fallen, to not take to the process. You see? Some people use that as an excuse, oh, I'm so fallen, therefore I'm just going to enjoy my senses now. But then you want to make progress. So you have to make progress, and you have to be serious and sincere. Even though you may have some difficulty. We all have difficulties. We struggle. Lord knows we all struggle. That's part of the process. Um, but because we struggle, that's no reason to slack off or impose upon or, or just accept a lower standard of Christian consciousness and never make any advancement beyond that. But some sense gratification is there, has to be there. You have to maintain the body, you have to eat. Just like, you know, salt. Salt is required. If you eat too much, then you get high blood pressure like me. That's not good. It's detrimental. So one requires maintenance of the body, satisfaction of the mind, comfort, security, so many things. All right, so we're over our time. And uh, once that door opens, that's the cue. It's over. So we thank you all very much. Thank you.